If you have a Bible with you today, find the book of Philippians, and we're going to be in chapter number four, Philippians chapter four. I want to send a special welcome to those watching online right now. We are thrilled that you are here with us as well. Uh, it is an exciting day, uh, and I want, to, I want to ask you, even before we get started this morning, to really open up your mind, open up your heart, uh, the posture that you come in with, and I don't mean like sitting up straight, even though that's good as well, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, the posture that you enter kind of this moment even with your heart uh, has everything to do with the Word of God and, and God moving and speaking and all of that uh, stuff. And so let's open ourselves up today. I, I, I believe that the next few moments we have together matter, that they are important this is relevant. We've been in a series of messages that we've titled Stuck. Stuck, it, it's a series on freedom uh, because very simply, God wants you to be free. He wants us to be free. That's the way of Jesus. It's the way of the scripture, free to, to follow Jesus, free to live whole, free to live on purpose, for a purpose, free to live out the mission of Jesus. The reality of the situation though, and just we've been talking about this over and over, is that a whole lot of Christians are not living very free. For, for one reason or another, things are, are, are holding us back. We're stuck in different things. We've talked about sin and with that, we, we, we've talk, talked about you know, our mind and some of those types of things. We are, we are stuck in all sorts of things that are keeping us from experiencing everything that God has for us. Now today, very specifically, is a very difficult topic. It's an extremely relevant topic, but it's difficult. It's an issue that's all over our culture. Uh, it's an issue that is especially prevalent in the younger generation, by the way, but, but, uh, but it really is everywhere as well. We're, we're going to talk today about the word anxiety. Anxiety. And just to kind of get started with us, and you don't have to be ashamed of this at all, uh, you are not broken, there, okay, that's not what this is, but if you're here today and you would say, at points in my life, I struggle with anxiety, if that's you, will you just show me your hand, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm not, like, I'm not pointing this out uh, for any reason except I want you to see the sheer number of people that this is an issue for, and it's a varying degrees of issue and different times and different ways and all of that type of stuff, but so many of us can relate to that. Now, here's why this topic is particularly difficult for me to talk about. Uh, it's because there are all sorts of different kinds and types of anxiety and all sorts of different causes uh, of anxiety. Anxiety can be a chemical thing, like a medical, physical body thing. Uh, we're gonna talk about that next week really, and dive into that, depression and anxiety at that level. Anxiety can be trauma-based, uh, like a disturbing event that happened in your past, whether you even remember it or not, can sometimes show itself. A uh, severe version of this or diagnosis PTSD, which many of us think of veterans and, and coming home and that, but like this, this can also just be someone who was abused at some point or uh, hurt as a child or, or divorce and things like that can even lead to some of this. Or very simply, someone who we trusted breaks our trust in some sort of way. There are two people on our staff uh, here at the church who had a parent suddenly die when they were a young child. One at the age of six, one at the age of nine. And okay, don't kid yourself, those types of things show up 
in different times in different areas of your life, okay? Even if that was 15, 20, 30 years ago, anxiety can be trauma-based. Anxiety can be situational as well. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, me and my wife were actually just in Florida this, wa- this last week. We were here on Sunday, and then Sunday we left, and we went to Florida, and we were on the coast, and it was gorgeous and am- amazing, and we got back like Thursday night. Short little, but it was awesome. But I was down there, and I was with someone, and I was in this little group, and we were talking, and one of the guys was like, hey, we- let's go jump in the ocean. And then someone standing next to him this manly man of a guy who lifts weights all the time and stuff, he said, I'm not going in the ocean. I watched Shark Week last week. <laughs> like, I've, I'm never going in the ocean again. And it was funny that he said it, but he was dead serious. He was filled with anxiety for a moment over the idea of swimming in the ocean. Okay, anxiety can be a a situational thing in that sort of way, okay? Uh, that, that, I love that. Anxiety can also be a spiritual thing. And that's probably the only part of this conversation that I feel at least a little bit qualified to talk about. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I took Psychology 101 as a freshman in college, and I don't remember anything about that class. In fact, I, I did fit four years of college into five years, so I suppose I have that going for me. All right, yeah, you're with me. Uh, but, but here's why I say any of that. Uh, th- this is a difficult topic, and I just want to like, start by saying I don't, I don't have all the answers, and I'm fully aware that some of us are going to leave this place and, and thinking, yeah, but you don't really understand what I'm going through. Um, even though, we don't, even though I don't, we don't have all the answers to this, the Bible does talk a lot about this issue, anxiety, um, and we want to be a church that talks about difficult topics. We want to be a church that doesn't avoid relevant cultural things that are in the Bible. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Uh, and so that's why we're into this today, because many of us in this place, we're stuck in this word called anxiety, and whatever that means for you and looks like for you, okay? So it's helpful for me to define the word anxiety, and so let's start with that. Webster's defines it this way, fear or nervousness about what might happen, about what might happen. Anxiety at its very root is fear-based, and don't miss this last part. It is fear or nervousness about what might happen, Statistically, and if you take time to study this, and I've read a lot about it this week in the last couple weeks, the majority of the things that we worry about that cause anxiety in our lives never happen. Massive majority, and even the very low percentage that does happen, the majority of those are not as bad as we thought they were going to be. Seriously. But anxiety is fear or nervousness about what might happen. The Bible talks a lot about anxiety, but it talks even more about the opposite of anxiety, which is for us the word peace. Peace is defined as freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. Anxiety is what we don't want, but many of us have, and we have at different times in different ways, okay? Peace is what we're after, and specifically in this conversation, the peace of God, and I wanna show you that. Okay, and so let's get to the Bible, so please stand with me all over this place. And we're going to just read a few verses together and just kind of start this conversation. So here we go. This is Philippians chapter 4, 
and we're gonna start with verse number four, Philippians four, verse four. Here's what it says. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. All right. So God, we just, we just take a deep breath and, and invite you into this very moment right here. We, we pray that you would move and speak and show us things, but God, that, that our hearts would be open. God, we know you are here. Uh, it is us that often gets in the way. And so, Lord, open our hearts. Help us to just uh, receive what you have for us. We give this to you, God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. All right, here we go. Get your notebook out right away. Number one, okay? No introduction anymore, nothing else. Number one is where we're starting. Here we go. If you are not experiencing the peace of God check your intake, check your intake, okay? If you've ever had a personal trainer uh, or read about losing weight on the internet, which so maybe that's as far as you've gotten, okay? You'll hear this, you'll hear this. You can't out-train a bad diet. That, that's what they'll say. What does that mean? It means if you wanna lose weight, I don't care how much you exercise, how much you work out, how many miles you run and push-ups you do, if you go home and you eat donuts and pizza and ice cream every single night, okay, it's not going to work, all right? Understand that you cannot out-train a bad diet or even the wrong kinds of calories can have a negative impact on losing weight. Things that you don't even think of as bad, but they actually lack the things that your body needs. You can call them empty calories. They say those types of words. What you put into your physical body will very much determine your success in your journey to physical health, okay? Very simply, listen to this. Many of us, our anxiety is very much related to our intake, to our intake to what we're putting in our minds. We talked about this a few weeks ago and we talked about negativity, but it's so massively a, a part of this uh, conversation as well. In fact, they showed, me, um, they showed me this cool thing I can do with my cell phone. Evan, will you bring me my, my iPhone right there, okay? Um, my, my, uh, the younger people on our staff, the younger pastors are always teaching me all sorts of cool things that you can do with your iPhone. It's so much fun. But here's what I learned, okay? And I, I might need you to, to zoom in a little bit so that everyone can see what happened. If you, if, you, if you take your phone, and specifically with this iPhone, if you hold down this button and this button right here, it goes like this. And then you can actually take this and you can slide it. It turns your phone off. 
I know, I know, right? What an incredible thing. Um, but listen to me for a second. Listen, listen. Our cell phones are killing us. They are, they are killing us. I, I dare you to go take 10 minutes and search the impact of social media on our culture. And what you will find is the inventors of all of these social media don't let their own children use them. Steve Jobs, who was like, you know, Apple, whatever, part of inventing the iPhone before he died, his, his, his kids, when he was a lot younger, could not use most of the technology he was creating because he understood the damage that it was doing in so many, like, you weren't designed to know everything about everybody. You weren't designed that way. You weren't designed to have the entirety of the whole human race buzzing around in your back pocket. In fact, one person, I, like, I, I, I read someone who said, it's like Satan has his own personal shot collar in your back pocket. You know, we walk around, oh, I wonder who's texting me. What is going to happen? I got to know. What is the next? And we, and we think about this like all the time. I wonder what that person said. Where did they go on vacation? I, oh, that's cute. They had homemade pizza for lunch. I wonder what my favorite uninformed, uneducated blogger has to say today. Seriously, okay? We're being funny. I'm being funny about this on purpose. Like, what about the press conference? I wonder what the COVID numbers in Hennepin County are. It, it's not supposed to be this way. You were never designed to have this amount of intake of information all the time at your, at, your, at your fingertips. Of course we're freaking out. Like, of course we're zombies. Of course we're numbing ourselves in our society with all sorts of things. Like, you can't take it all in and still have room for the peace of God in your life. You, you cannot do it. You're praying for the peace of God, but God doesn't have anywhere to put it because your mind is filled with everything else. What you put into your mind matters. If you're constantly, all the time, filling your mind with useless information, negative content, you will not have room for the peace of God. Now listen to this. If you're constantly letting all this negativity in and then you're trying to pray it out, you've kind of already lost. You understand that? Like if you're constantly letting the enemy in your life, we could say it in a churchy way, and then trying to pray him out, you've kind of already lost. That's not how it's supposed to work. For some of us here today, your intake is the source behind much of your anxiety. What you are putting in and allowing in your mind. Verse eight, we read this a few moments ago. It's so important that we learn some of this. Uh, he writes this, he says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure and lovely and admirable, excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Dot, 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 and the God of peace will be with you. It's like thinking about the right things somehow has some sort of connection to the peace of God in our lives. Do you, do you feel that the God of peace will be with you directly related to thinking about the right things, filling our minds with the right content? If you're not experiencing the peace of God, check your intake. Check that, okay? You cannot out-train a bad diet. You can't do it. It doesn't work like that. Number two, number two, if you struggle with anxiety, Understand that isolation is not your friend. Isolation is not 
your friend. Uh, the, Bible ta- the Bible has people that have anxiety in it all over the place. Let me show you a couple. First Kings chapter 19 actually tells a story of a man named Elijah. Now, God had done miracle after miracle in Elijah's life. Like, Elijah prays for this, this guy, and he raises from the dead. Elijah's right there. This happens. Elijah didn't have food, and God miraculously provides food for him when he didn't have any. At one point, he squares off single-handedly against 850 prophets of, like, this false god. It's in front of everybody in this massive thing, and, and God shows up and burns up this thing, and it's crazy, and all these prophets lose, and Elijah's like, God just showed up for me, all of this. But then this woman named Jezebel says, I'm going to kill Elijah, and Elijah, even though he's experienced all this amazingness in his life from God, Elijah absolutely freaks out. Like he's filled with anxiety. Let me read to you how Elijah responds. 1 Kings 19, verse 3 says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. What's he afraid? He's afraid of what might happen. Does that sound familiar here? Okay. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush. I always thought they made brooms. I didn't know they grew, but someone should have thought that was more funny. I thought that was funny. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. You hear that? Prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Okay, this is based on fear of what might happen. He's hysterical, he's not thinking clearly, and he prays that he might die so he no longer has to face this battle in his mind is really what's happening. Like, that's in the Bible. And you can't read this story and not think, why did the author, the person who was writing this, include the weird little line that says, Elijah left his servant? What a weird little line there, right? That doesn't matter in the story, does it? Like, he doesn't need to tell us that. I would argue it's a massive part of the story here. In his anxiety, Elijah chooses completely to isolate himself, and it leads to him being suicidal. Leaves his servant, walks off on his own. Do you hear that? Now he's under a tree asking to die. All right, Mark chapter 14 Did you know that Jesus dealt with extreme anxiety the the night before he was crucified? Uh, You probably didn't know that. Jesus was fully God, but he's also fully man, and he felt this. Let me read this to you. This is Mark chapter 14, verse 32. It says, they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. This is mental, okay, a mental battle that the very Son of God is facing here, being fully human, deeply distressed and troubled. Verse 34, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them, stay here and keep watch. My soul is overwhelmed to the point of sorrow, deeply distressed and troubled. This is Jesus. Why is he deeply distressed and troubled? Why is his soul overwhelmed? Because he's feeling the weight of what is coming. That's what's happening here. But Jesus, in his anxiety, 
In this moment in his life, does something completely different than Elijah does. Elijah completely isolates himself. Jesus purposefully brings his three closest followers with. You catch that? In this moment, he took, he takes Peter, James, and John, and he says to them, my soul is overwhelmed. Elijah sits under a broom tree and wants to die. Jesus takes his three closest friends and he says, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Please pray. You feel that? The temptation will be there for you to isolate yourself. Understand when you're facing anxiety, isolation is not your friend. You with me? All right, cool. Number three, number three. And this one, when you first hear it, you might go, what? But here we go. Uh, peace can be related to integrity. Peace can be related to integrity. Sometimes your anxiety is a result of a lapse in your integrity. Let me explain, okay? Understand this. It is difficult to experience the peace of God in your life when you're hiding secrets and you feel like a hypocrite. It's hard to experience the peace of God when, when you have to hope that your wife doesn't read your text messages. It's hard to have a peaceful heart when you have three Snapchat accounts and the one that your parents see is just a decoy. Like, you're asking God to give you peace, but your life in a way is in many pieces. The word integrity, the word integrity actually means whole. Like if you look at math, you think of the word integer, it's a whole number. Integrity is all one person all the time. And when there are three different me's that I have to manage, it can be kind of hard to pray panic away. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Why? Because my own lifestyle is actually creating it. Like when I'm trying to figure out which mask to wear, at which point and which time in my life, which mask to wear at church so that people don't, don't see into my life at home? Like, think about this. And there's work me, and there's after work me, and there's Friday night me, and there's 10 a.m. Sunday morning me. Listen, it's kind of hard to have peace when your foundation, in a way, is cracked. Like, when you're not whole. Philippians chapter 4, okay, back to our passage here. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you, okay? Put it into practice. This is how you live your life. Uh, how you live your life, how you put Jesus into practice in your life is absolutely related to experiencing the peace of God in your life, okay? Peace is often related to integrity, to, to this wholeness, to this being one, okay? Nod your head if you heard anything I said so far. All right, all right. Number four, number four, okay? You will not experience the peace of God without seeking God. You will not experience the peace of God without seeking God. Listen, if you have experienced, I wanna be so clear with this, and we're gonna talk about this next week. If you've experienced massive trauma in your life, you need to see a professional. Like, you need, you need, to, you need help. You need to get you need to get doctor type of help. Can God, can God do a miracle in your mind? Absolutely, but let's not be people who don't go to the doctor when we're sick. It is not a lack of faith to go to the doctor. 
Someone should have said, yes, I agree with you, but no one has said that at all, so I feel all alone up here right now. <laughs> it's not a lack of faith to go to the doctor. Come on, okay? If this is deep and this is dark and, like, and heavy anxiety and depression in your life, like, and, and, and some, some of you, you understand when I say that what that means, okay? Please go get some help. I just feel the need at this point to just say that, but listen, okay, listen right here. You will not experience the peace of God that we read about in the Bible without learning to daily seek God. Look at this in our passage, Philippians, okay, do not be anxious about anything. And some of us are like, well, I wish it was that easy. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything, but instead pray about everything. Not just when you're anxious, not just when you're struggling, just pray, just pray. The peace of God, absolutely connected to prayer, connected to thanksgiving, connected to bringing our feelings and our situations and our hurts and our anxiety to God connected in that way. We, we, we see this. Our intake matters, okay, in all of this. What we put into our mind, it matters, it matters greatly. Um, I'll, I'll, this is a bonus one. It was not in there, but how you, how you handle what the amount of weight that you give to certain words that people say matters as well. For some, I was praying before service, and this just kind of came to my mind. All right, what do I mean by that? If, if, you're gonna, if you have a rash on your arm and you go to your neighbor and your neighbor's like, yeah, I think that's probably, you know, an allergy to dandelions, okay? And then you go to your doctor and your doctor is a dermatologist who has spent 12 years of his life studying this very stuff and seen it a million times and he says, no, 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 that, that, this is that, that, and that, and that. And you say, well, I don't know, sir. My neighbor says this, okay? Think about it. The, the weight that we give to certain people's words matters in this. Some of us, you deal with anxiety because you give weight to the wrong people. All right? If that makes sense. Like, some of it, it doesn't matter what they, it doesn't matter. If someone on the internet says something bad about you, who cares? Don't give weight to that. Don't let that ruin your day. That's stupid. What doesn't matter? What people think. What does matter? What God thinks, okay? All right, that was a side note. That was not even on this. Okay, about a year and a half ago, um, we were actually given, we were given this beautiful golden retriever, and his name is Tucker. Some of you have heard me talk about him. I think I have a picture. Go ahead and put that picture up. That's good stuff right there. Yeah, you responded perfectly, okay? And so this is, yeah, oh, that's, that's Nora. She's my youngest, and then... Tucker is, and then we have our little kitty laying. Um, I've, I call our kitty Karen, but <laughs> the rest of our family calls her Luna, so I call her Karen. Okay, that's just a heads up. But uh, Tucker, Tucker is gentle. He is loving. He's this beautiful cream color. Like, so it's a little lighter color than a normal golden retriever. Uh, but Tuck, Tucker has pretty severe anxiety. He was given to us when he was about 10 months old. We don't know if something traumatic happened in his life or 
like as a puppy or what, or if he was just somehow born with this. But Tucker is, he's deathly afraid of loud noises, big trucks, slamming doors, fireworks, thunder, stuff like that. Uh, those things, like they make him completely immobile. He, he lays down or, or he runs and he'll run and run to our front door and just sit at the door saying, let me in. He also hates getting in the car. He's terrified of the car. He doesn't really like going on walks to places he's never been before. He hates being in the kennel, like in a crate. He paws and scratches and starts to drool, licks obsessively. Okay, this, like his anxiety shows in all of this type of way. He actually sleeps underneath our bed, and that's like become his little thing, okay? Tucker has severe anxiety. Sometimes we don't notice it because he goes through massive seasons where you don't even see it at one point. And it's like he's perfect and totally normal and awesome. And he gets in a routine and he's this family dog and it's amazing. And then he'll have a difficult week where like everything all the time, uh, he's super aware of it all. So what we did, we actually took him to this professional dog trainer um, out of Osakis actually. She was fantastic, by the way. If you're looking for help with a dog, hit me up afterwards and I'll like, I'll recommend because we seriously had a tremendous experience with this specific dog trainer. And Tuck, Tucker has improved immensely. Uh, in fact, we just were at the dog trainer's place like this past week, and one of the owners, like, just, he just looked at me and he said, I can't believe that this is the same dog. I mean, it, so it's been a really cool thing. But here's why I bring any of this up. Some of you are like, nice story, let's go home. But okay, <laughs> here's why I bring any of this up. All right, the very first meeting that we had with this dog trainer, this professional dog trainer, um, I had Tucker there, and we were talking some things through, just getting a realistic expectation of what this was. And here's what she said to me. She said, the end goal is really not to make him no longer afraid, because that isn't really how this works. But the goal is to change the way he responds when his anxiety is triggered. This is what she said. She said, right now, he immediately lays down or he runs away or he runs and lays in the weeds or, okay, or under the bed. What we want, don't miss this, what we want is when his anxiety hits, when there's a loud noise or whatever, we want to teach him to run to you. And she said, we want him to run to you and to look up at you and to feel your demeanor. This is the dog trainer saying all this stuff. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And your peace, is what she said, your calmness in that situation will show him that this really isn't something that he needs to be afraid of. Now, this has not worked very perfectly at all, okay? Um, we're still working on all of that, and though it's better, we have a long way to go with Tucker. But yesterday, yesterday morning, I had, I had him out, we're playing with the tennis ball in the backyard, and a gunshot goes off, super loud. And Tucker, I kid you not, turns and sprints to me and sits down right here and looks up at me. Now, typically, he would be like immobile and run to the door and no more ball. And like two minutes later, we were back playing ball. And I was like, yeah, this is it. And then it thundered last night and all, you know, okay. It did not work, all right. He fell apart last night, but that's, but that's okay. Okay, but listen, listen to this again, and I want this just, I want to just kind of leave us with this illustration in our minds. When anxiety hits, 
He's to run to me and find his help and his freedom and his peace in that moment. Like, come on, somebody. It is 100% possible to be so in tune and so in sync, so in relationship with Jesus that you can learn to run to him the moment that your anxiety hits. Now, some of us are like, no, this isn't, okay, I understand. We have trauma and we have other situations. We're gonna talk about that next week, okay? But like that we, that we would experience the peace of God, the peace that passes all understanding. Like this doesn't even make sense that you have peace because our hearts are just so connected to his. Music team, will you please come? Now, I wanna close with, with this. Uh, don't check out yet because there is this beautiful book of the Bible that's titled Lamentations. Some of you have probably never even read it. It's like right in the middle of the Old Testament, four or five, six chapters long. And th- what this book is, it is filled with the writings, or you could call them the laments, of a man named Jeremiah, who is known as the weeping prophet. It's this prophet of God thousands of years ago who just wept over the fact that Jerusalem had been defeated and Israel and the Jews were in captivity and he just, he just wept about this over and over and he writes this little thing about lamenting all this. And right in the middle of this piece of writing, there are these nine verses for me that I read them this week. I heard them and read them and looked them up and it just like jumped off the page. Read this, read this with me. I'll have it on the screen. Follow me. It says, I have been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me. My soul is downcast. That word soul in the original Hebrew language is, it's like, it's like my, my everything. My, my everything, my very being, everything I am, everything on the inside is low. It's, it's downcast. We have a man who's pouring out his heart. It's hurting filled with anxiety and depression and hopelessness is what we have here. But then right in the middle, everything changes. And the writer, like, he, he goes like, and then he goes, Wah! in a completely different direction. And it's crazy uh, with this. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gal. I remember them. And my soul is downcast within me. Yet, this I call to mind. I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Right in the middle of depression and anxiety, Jeremiah is somehow able to call to mind something that changes everything in that moment. I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. I love that word in there, consumed. Some of us, that's a word you could use to, to, to talk about what you feel. Consumed you consumed your life not consumed for his compassions never fail they are new every morning great is your faithfulness i say to myself the lord is my portion therefore i will wait on him wait for him the lord is good to those whose hope is in him to the one who 
seeks him, okay? Jeremiah learned somehow to, to call to his mind the goodness of his God and find hope in hopeless situations. Now, n like no two of us are the same here in this. Anxiety shows itself in different ways, different times to different people, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not com like claiming to have all the answers or even any answers is the way that I feel about some of this, okay? But I do know a God who does, I do, and a God who cares, and a God who, like, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're feeling, some of us need to go to the doctor, some of us need to go see a counselor, but all of us need to learn how to seek God better and know him more. Know him more. To learn, to learn how to glimpse at our problems and gaze at Jesus instead of gazing at our problems and glimpsing at Jesus. His compassions never fail. He is faithful, he is good. His love is never ending, and he's here right now. Please stand with me all over this place. Check your intake. Don't miss that. Check your in. You cannot out-train a bad diet, and I pray that that just, like, fills your mind. Turn off your cell phone. Turn it off at different times. Go without it. Go on a media fast. Your soul will be so much better for it. Don't let that consume your life. Come on. Like just don't, don't miss what God wants to do and what he wants to say here today. Isolation is not your friend. Don't miss that. Integrity, being whole. Some of us are wearing masks. You have different versions of yourself depending on where you are and what you do and it's, it's tough to find peace when you're broken like that and let's be people that learn how to seek God that has been a point in our sermons every week for like five weeks in a row and I'm planning on making it forever I want to ask you to just close your eyes for a moment if you feel comfortable even just lift up your hands and take a deep breath Jesus we just welcome you into our lives in a way like never before God we fully admit and are aware of the fact that anxiety is crippling people and that we weren't meant to live like that God we were meant to be free free to live our lives for you free to serve and give and show people your love God, I just pray even in this moment right now that minds and hearts would, would begin to be healed, that your supernatural peace would just fill this moment, that we would do the things that we need to do to 
to move ourselves in that direction. God, we empty ourselves even in this moment and ask for you to fill us. We love you. We need you so desperately, God. In your name, I pray. Before we're done, maybe you're here today and you have never responded to the message of Jesus. It's, it's this beautiful, beautiful message of a God who loves us so much that he gave his son to die so that we could be forgiven, we could be free. And for those that will put their trust in him and put their faith in Jesus, we can be saved, we can be reconciled with God. That's the, that's the story of the Bible. And maybe you're here today and with no one looking around, you would just simply say, Pastor Kyle, I've never made that decision for myself. If that's you and you'd say, I want to do that right now, just quickly show me your hand. Show me your hand in this place. If you're watching online right now, you can, you can respond to this as well. Just click, there's a little thing you can click in a description or something. Figure that out. We want you to respond. But anyone in this place, just say, I need to respond to Jesus today. I need to do that. I need to put my trust in him and give him my life. Church, let's just say a prayer here all together to help people who, who are making that decision. Uh, and so let's just pray this. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray. Amen, amen. Come on, can we just clap for a moment? All right, let me just kind of speak this over you before we leave. May you experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. May you become very aware of the content that you put into your mind. And may you learn to run to God when any sort of anxiety hits. Church, I love this. It's a huge moment for someone in this place. I just feel this, this is an important day for you. Next week, we're going to take this to a whole step farther and look at the very deep and dark side of things. Many of us don't have any idea about this, and we're going to really kind of dive into that. I'm excited for that. So thanks so much for coming today. You are dismissed.